You are listening to the Conversational Selling Podcast with Nancy Calabrese. Hi, everyone. It's Nancy Calabrese, and it's time again for Conversational Selling, the podcast where sales leaders and business experts share what's going on in sales and marketing today. And it always starts with the human conversation. Today, we're speaking with David D. Dorier a presentation skills expert with years of expertise and a passion for seeing others thrive. He is a U.S. Air Force retiree with a highly successful career in instructional design, classroom facilitation, and corporate leadership training. Throughout his career, throughout his time coaching other presenters and trainers, He has witnessed the lack of foundational skills needed to make an impact that matters to a listener. And David believes that without proper education on engaging with your audience, you'll overwhelm them with information they can't even use. Talking and telling ain't training or selling. I love that line. And I absolutely agree with this, David. Welcome Mm. to the show. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. This is certainly a pleasure to be with you today. I I have been looking forward to this interview for quite some time, so thank you. Yeah, I know we had to postpone the last time, so here we are finally. Um, Let's just jump into this. What is the adult learning theory? Well, that's a great question right out of the gate. So the adult (laughs) learning theory, at the core of it, it's all about creating engagement with your audience. And I believe that the more engagement that you have with your audience, the more that your message is going to resonate and stick and be memorable with your audience. Okay. Why should presenters be familiar with this theory? Well, the reason they should be familiar with it is going back to my tagline, talking and telling ain't training or selling. So having a, a basic understanding of how adults learn how adults retain information, and understanding those processes, which come from the adult learning theory, by understanding those processes, that is going to give a speaker an edge over others because now you have some some, uh, tools in your toolbox or in your hip pocket that's going to help you not only write your material, but also when you're up on stage, presenting it to your audience, because now you have a a clearer understanding what it is your audience is looking for and how they will be able to retain that information longer. Um, But don't adults or people in general learn differently? Ah, that's a great question. Yes, we all learn differently. The adult learning theory consists of two parts. One are eight principles that all adults are looking for to be engaged. And yes, to answer your question, we are all different that some, uh, some people will learn, uh, through auditory, some Mm -hmm. are visual, some are kinesthetic. Some people learn best on their own. Some people learn best in groups and some people need to know the entire process or the, everything from A to Z about the topic where others only need to know certain pieces. So Yes, you have to be familiar with what is it that we're all looking for to be engaged, but also right. be aware of the differences. Yeah, but h- how do you do that? So you have an audience and you don't know who learns what way. So how mm-hmm. is it all tied together to you know keep them engaged? 
Well, th- this this is going to come from and a great question. I'm glad you asked that question. They the some of it comes from first understanding what is the current knowledge level of your audience. I, I know I'm getting to how everybody learns differently. This right. is going to this takes where as a facilitator takes practice to under. Well, l- l- let me back up a minute. As okay. a facilitator, I should bring with me into that. Let's use the example of the classroom. I need to bring with me ways that is going to be of interest to all types of learners. So if I'm going to be training something that I need to be aware that I need to train this for people that are experienced and people that are not and have, have, um, different, different, different ways of, of disseminating that information for right. different, different ways of learning in the audience. I, I hope I'm making sense. My tongue is, is all tight around my teeth right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, you know, I, I, my takeaway from this part of our discussion is you have to put a little bit of everything for all learning types, right. In your Perfect. presentation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's going to take experience. So, so that, yeah. that brand new trainer, there's a lot that has to be learned. You know, training is like running a marathon. It is constantly using your head to adjust to different things that's going on in the classroom or virtually, however you're, you're training. But right. it's th- there's a lot of things that have to be incorporated into that training. Going back to my tagline, talking and telling ain't training or selling. There's a lot that goes into this. Wow. Holy cow. So how has your background prepared you for this business? Uh, Great question. So after high school, went into the military uh, and eventually I I had always had a passion for radio broadcasting. And eventually I had the opportunity to get into radio broadcasting. Radio broadcasting led me into theater because one of the folks that I worked with was was directing dinner theater. So now I got to be on stage. And Uh then through the Air Force, I was eventually asked to be a trainer back in 1995. And that is what started my 30-year career in training and development. And along the way, started training trainers and training other folks within the organization to be better presenters and workshop leaders and so on. And I've been a part of Toastmasters for 30 years. So I think all of those things have contributed to where I'm at today. You know, um, so much of today, um, post-COVID, is virtual. So you have virtual engagements and then you have in-person engagements. Are the techniques different? Great question. There are many similarities between virtual and in-person However, virtual requires cranking everything up to an 11. And in in both cases, the facilitator needs to set the stage. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we going to do it? What can you expect from me, the facilitator? What do I expect from my audience in both cases? But in virtual, you, you, you need to, it's, it's so much more important to start things off from the very beginning with engagement. Now, yes, you need to do that in face-to-face, but it is so much more crucial in virtual and keeping them engaged throughout the entire presentation. 
Okay, so virtual, you 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 have to look at your person that you're speaking with, right? Right, right. So, and and um, is that any different than in person? Yes. So certainly, okay. if we are in person, and here I can scan my audience. I'm standing in front of my audience. I can feel my audience. I right. can hear them. I can hear them breathing. And if they if they're chuckling or if they're if they are um, laughing and so on, I certainly can experience that. But in yeah. virtual world, you can't feel all of that. But as far as looking at your audience, this takes practice to look directly into the camera. Right. Uh, and I suggest getting a camera that you can adjust the the height of it in my particular camera is is the type where I have it centered on my screen. So now I don't have to look above my my screen right. or to the top of my monitor. I now have it's it's still difficult. You're not looking people in the eyes because from the user side, if I was looking at my second monitor, for example, and looking right. at everybody in their eyes, the people that are observing me, I'm not looking at them. Yeah. So one of the ways, one of the easiest ways of creating connection or engagement with your virtual audience is to look into the camera. Now, I do know that you, we do virtually, we need to look away at many times, but at minimum, what I would suggest is looking directly into the camera during your introduction, right. during transitions, during when you ask questions, when you're responding to questions, when you're telling stories, and during mm. your conclusion, you're looking directly into that camera. Into the camera and not at the people. So mm. I have found that I have to minimize um, the view Mm -hmm. and, and move the uh, screen up right below the camera. So I, mm -hmm. I'm making eye contact with them. If mm -hmm. I don't, it mm -hmm. looks like I'm looking down. Is that exactly. your experience? Exactly. And in, in, in what you describe, you're looking down. And what I've seen with others, they have all of the faces, all of the people on a second monitor. So right. now they're looking either to the right or to the left, which right. makes it even worse. Oh, wow. So based on your experience, what do many presenters struggle with the most? Well, there are many things, but there are three things that I put at the top of the list that all presenters should keep in mind when when presenting. And the first is to know your audience. Okay. I have seen it many times where a presenter at a networking event, for example, is talking to us in the audience as if we are experts in whatever field they are in. So okay. number one is to know your audience. Number two, to incorporate stories into your presentation. Now, there are there's a right way and a wrong way of incorporating stories. You want to keep them short enough that you're able to provide enough color, enough information in the story. You don't want them to, you don't want to ramble on about the story. Right. So the story should incorporate three things. What was the problem? What solution did you provide? And right. third, what was the outcome after your client provided that solution? Now, there are many different types of stories. Now, what I described would be a, a, uh, a business situation on what was the problem, solution, and outcome. So right. two of the three, number one is know your audience. Number two, incorporate stories. And number three, have a compelling conclusion. 
can't tell you how many times I've heard someone give a presentation, they get to the end and it's right. just, okay, I'm out of here. Bye-bye. Because we, <laughs> we need to have some sort of some sort of conclusion, maybe a review or a call to action or a, 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 a deal of some sort. So right. there needs to be a compelling conclusion. Yeah. Well, um, and, and what's the definition of audience engagement? That's a great question. There are so many different ways to in, in, in engage the audience. And I, I would say that the the what you're hoping for is your audience to ask questions, to look at you, to be to be writing things down, to look like they are engaged. But the way that you get them to that point right. is by using these adult learning theories. For example, I'll give you one of them is okay. to get your audience to take ownership in in wanting to listen. And the only way that your audience is going to take ownership is that the facilitator needs to create an opening that says, why are we here? What are we doing? What's the value that you're going to get out of this? And if you stick with me all the way to the end of this training or all the way to the end of this, this presentation, you're right. going to be able to leave here with a, a better knowledge of X. So, right. so now your audience, if they take ownership, now that's going to get your audience to be more engaged or ask questions or to participate with the chat virtually or whiteboard virtually right. or, or polls. So, so it's, you know, it's, it's, Yes, you want to get them engaged, but there are processes that you have to put into place that's going to get them there. How long does it take someone to really pull this together? So they become a client of yours. Right. Um, what's your experience in seeing the improvement in audience engagement? Within uh, within the a 90-minute session, wow. I, can, I can improve their... Well, it depends on what their objectives are. So, if their objectives are, um, if if I'm if they want to just take their in, engagement up a couple of notches, I can right. do that in ninety minutes. Wow. Uh, what I look at is what is their wh what are they presenting? Who are they presenting it to? When are they going to be presenting? Taking right. their existing presentation and reform reformatting it in a way that we create a compelling introduction, we create uh, transitions, we create engagement throughout the presentation, we right. create an engaging conclusion. And just by doing that, the next time they present it, I guarantee it will increase the engagement. Huh. Um, is there a difference between speaking to a large audience versus a small audience? as it relates to audience engagement? Yes, yes and no. So okay. yes, in the way of if it's a smaller audience, that gives me the luxury of maybe uh, asking questions that can be answered where I could ask actual questions to the audience, get them to participate through questions. I can still do that with a larger audience, but right. a lot of it depends on, on, on uh, uh, how much time I have and you know, th this also is where the facilitator needs to be experienced enough to be good at time management, because okay. by asking questions of your audience and expecting feedback, that can 
set the whole presentation off the rails because now your audience could easily take over. Sure. So this here, the the facilitator needs to be um, experienced enough to keep control. Right. So I, I would say that there are many more similarities than there are differences okay. where if you're not asking actual questions of your audience, you could ask rhetorical questions. Okay. Uh, cer- certainly the way that you present to a larger audience mu- must be bigger and m- more robust, I guess, be able to be able to uh, speak to and for everyone to be able to hear you in that mm-hmm. entire room. And um, just like acting, if you're going to be an actor on a stage, your mannerisms need to be bigger. Your voice needs to be bigger. You need to project so right. your entire audience can hear you. Yeah. Well, how did you end up in this business? Well, great question. I ended up in the business through the Air Force. I I did 10 years active duty and then 18 years in the reserves the entire time in the same career field. And in 1995, when I was in my reserve unit in San Antonio, Texas, my first sergeant asked, said, there's an opportunity to be a trainer at Dobbins Air Force Base in Marietta, Georgia. Would you like to go? And at that point, I had theater background. I had a radio background and I took advantage of it. And that was when I started learning the craft of training and writing training, delivering training on a daily basis and eventually working for civilian organizations and eventually training trainers to train and others within the organization and found that I loved it. I just loved this part of what I was doing and I knew that at some point I wanted this to be my full-time job. I, yeah. went, I had it as a side hustle for five years. And then at the end of last year, I left corporate and now it is my full-time business. Awesome. Do what you love, love what you do, right? Exactly. And, and um, just last question, um, what do you love about it so much? Oh, that's a great question. You know, in, in my business, I've had an opportunity to ask this same question to hundreds of trainers. What is it that you love the most about training or coaching? And it's the gotcha factor where when I see my audience get it, you asked me the question earlier about how long do I need to get someone to increase engagement in their presentation? 90 minutes. And then when they come back for their second coaching session and we evaluate how that worked and they're telling me, hey, this worked, this worked, this worked. That is what really feeds me. And and I've got goosebumps right now thinking about (laughs) these these folks that I've worked with. And it works. It works. You know, I love speaking to people that are passionate. You clearly are passionate about what you do. We have to um, end our conversation unfortunately, but how can my people find you? Oh, great question. Two ways. One is through my website, presentyourwaytosuccess.com. And the other is through LinkedIn, David Dorier, D-O-E-R-R-I-E-R. So get in touch with me through my website, get in touch with me through LinkedIn. Let me know that you heard this podcast with myself and Nancy. Yep. And I will send you a free copy of my ebook, Eight Eight Principles of Engagement. Love it, love it. People, take advantage of David's offering. And David, you were an absolute pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that we'll continue conversations in the future. 
and make it a great presentation day. I usually say sales day, but a presentation day. Let's get everyone engaged. So thanks, David, again for coming on the show. Thank you. The Conversational Selling Podcast is sponsored by One of a Kind Sales. If you are frustrated that you don't have enough leads or your sales team complains that they just don't have enough time to prospect, we can help. To work with Nancy and her team to help you manage your sales team, install her proven outbound sales process, and create more bottom line results, email her now at nancy at oneofakindsales.com. To learn more about Nancy and her outbound sales secrets, grab your free copy of her book, The Inside Sales Solution, at oneofakindsales.com forward slash book.